everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles framework. In recent episodes, I've told you about my newly released book, Hardwiring Excellence in Education, The Nine Principles Framework. This book is about leadership. Now I'm excited to announce we'll be launching a book club. So join me and my guest as we discuss ways that help build a culture of excellence in education. You'll learn the nine principles framework for hardwiring excellence in education and how to apply it in your own organization. This club is for anyone who practices leadership regardless of their position and who seeks to get better at leadership. Meet with us twice a month for interactive sessions and discussions starting June 12th through November 13th. More details will be coming soon at studereducation.com slash hardwiring excellence. Now let's jump into today's episode. Joining us is my colleague, Dr. Pat Greco, Senior Director of Thought Leadership. Pat has served 39 years in public education, most recently as superintendent in the school district of Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. And during that time, Pat was recognized for growing teacher and leadership capacity and proving system and team performance and achieving results valued by the community she served. Her team rose to become recognized at the state and national level. Pat's efforts and those of her Menominee Falls colleagues received the Carnegie Foundation Spotlight Organization Award and the Top Workplace Award for Large Businesses. Pat received the Wisconsin Public Policy Forum Lifetime Achievement Award and the Dr. Mike Neal Distinguished Leadership Award, the WASCD Educational Influence Award and the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce Educator of the Year Award. And she also received the honor of AASA Wisconsin Superintendent of the Year. As I was starting Studer Education, Pat and I worked together to build an excellent school district where she was superintendent and we partnered to apply the nine principles framework described in my new book. Pat led the district to move from performing to becoming one of the highest performing school districts in the country. And I chronicle some of her stories in the new book, Hardwiring Excellence in Education. So today we'll start with Dr. Pat Greco as our first interview to highlight some of the stories and results chronicled in the Hardwiring Excellence in Education book. We'll discuss more of what Pat has specifically done in her district and throughout the country. It's with great pleasure that I welcome to our show today. Welcome back, Dr. Pat Greco. Pat, welcome. Thank you, Janet. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you and with our our partners in the field. It's uh, so, as you know, uh, finally for me and our team, uh, the new book, uh, hardwiring excellence in education uh, came out really speaking to our nine principles. And um, as I think about our work together, you apply the nine principles from the boardroom to the classroom as well as anyone has, Pat. So um, now that you coach others to do that, uh, let's start with why why is it important to um, to apply the principles in, in the way that you did in the way you coach? Yeah, the the principles and the evidence-based leadership framework together were really important to me personally and to our organization. I think when everyone looks at the principles individually, there's a nod of that's important. 
that's important work. Collectively, it builds coherence for an organization. We know that you know boards and communities want that commitment to excellence. People want that commitment to service. The parts of the principles really build out that individual leader capability so that we're leading together well and that we're building the coherent systems in the way that we work together. You know, so as you as you think about leaders can't do it alone, isolation doesn't work, you can't chase improvement, you know, so, and there's really no shortcut to building strong team capacity. So the principles help ground that work in, mm -hmm. as you're building the system to improve. Yeah, gosh, that's such a good way to say that, Pat. And it is, it, it's the foundational components that you need before you're really able to, you know, to, to move forward with the execution that moves the results, right? It, it, I love yep. the, love the way that you said that. So let's talk a little bit then, you know, what did you do? Can you name, you know, just kind of walk our, our uh, listeners through what did you do that was successful? I think onboarding, obviously for new leaders, you know, leaders enter into a, into the work that they're doing with the assumption of wanting to do a good job, but not really understanding the job that is really important to do. You know, so onboarding and building that ongoing support for the leadership development, but really onboarding at every level. You know, we say affectionately that leadership is a behavior, not a job title. You know, so as you're as you're developing the core values for your organization of how we're going to support one another, how we're going to show up for work well together, it's really onboarding everybody who's coming onto the into the organization that this is the mindset that we're going to use in our work with one another, and then the skill set becomes coherent goals, execution, follow through the improvement cycles that falls into that. You know, we believe in people, we develop people well, and then we're going to create that engine for improvement over time and really build the time and space for the development and the time and space for the reflection and the adjustments. Yeah. So, so as you think back, you know, so as I start the book in the introduction, and that's really what we're connected with today, you know, is really you know, just starting out a conversation with you and and looking at the introduction of the book, and and I, you know, I really put the the flywheel, you know, as part of of um of that introductory piece with obviously our educational core values of purpose, worthwhile work, making a difference in the center, the out the outer layers of the flywheel, and building those inspiring workplaces, connecting people to the work as part of that, um, building strength in our people, which which is what you're referring to in this beginning part, and then that helps us accelerate. We really begin to build the improvement focused approach um, to the work that we do to achieve the results, which you did. I mean, you did all the all the aspects of the flywheel and, and executed um, the evidence based leadership framework um, as part of the nine principles um, work that we do. So, you know, as as you're as so some people ask us, like, where do you start? Like, what do you do? Like, where do, you, where do we where do we start? Because it's so much that when you look at the book and the nine principles that are embedded in there, and we look at the introduction, um, how would you answer that question? Like, where do, where do, where do people start? Yeah, and I think, I think for the most part, 
Janet, intuitively, you know, we start with how do you listen to those people closest to the work? You know, so when we when we start the work, we're really starting it at two levels. You're starting it with the executive team and with the boards and with the leadership team on what's really important. You know, what is the community value? What is your parents' value? What's important to achieve? So you're starting at that level with the conversation. But it's really getting to the heart of when we talk about rounding with those closest to the work, you know, what is it that's working for them? Where are they getting stuck? How do we actually listen deeply within the organization so that we're building that cadence of that two-way communication, Mm. not just around what's important to achieve long-term, but what are the barriers happening right now that if we don't get those barriers out of the way, it's going to block what we want to achieve long-term. So when we, when we talk about purpose, we're really talking about how do we do that commitment to serve? And that service starts with the people that are closest to that work. When we talk about worthwhile work, it's drawing that line of sight to I'm showing up to work every day. I see you. I hear you. I know that you're working hard. What are the barriers that I can come alongside on and help problem solve for this so that we can make sure that we're celebrating the successes and making sure we're honoring the people that are doing that work together? And then when we think about building that cadence for um, really making that impact, you know, we're really drawing that line of sight back out to the community around these are the things that are most important. We're not just chasing activities to do. We're really grounding on what's valued by the people that we serve, internal to the organization as well as external to the community. Yeah, um, so good. So just the connection from the classroom to the boardroom and the conversation that we're having now, you know, we're um, thinking about we're listening to people who are engaging in conversations where um, that people who are closest to the work, you know, and I think about the work that we do in the classroom because it's the same thing, right? With students, mm-hmm. you know, students are closest to the work. So when, when we look at the improvement work in the classroom, it really teachers engaging students in that same type of conversation. Right. And, and really the, <laughs> yep. And, and I, I didn't mean to speak over you, Janet, I know. but really when we're, when we're talking about that classroom improvement, The biggest part of it is to give the students the line of sight to the goals, what's important to achieve, and then to listen deeply. Mm -hmm. What what strategies are working for them? Where are they getting stuck? What's helpful? And then how do we actually build that regular cadence of feedback with the students closest to the work? Yeah, the the biggest revelation, you know, and yeah, I'm in the process of of interviewing some of the team members that are working closely with student improvement. And really the ahas for is is letting the kid feed the students give feedback on a regular cadence. It's really that when we start organizationally with staff, it's really rounding team plus deltas, that deep listening process and making sure that you're closing the loop on, you know, what are some things that we're going to do next based on the feedback that you're providing. The same thing is happening at the classroom level. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, and you know, I think too, as and just as you're talking about rounding, you know, the as we, um, you know, think about 
the survey work and for example it's the same thing right it's it's mm-hmm. we're using data yep. um whether it's perception data or achievement data but we're using data as a way to engage in meaningful conversations about things that are meaningful to the people that we're connected to and right. that are trying to do the work and um it's it's how do we turn those conversations into improvement action so that we know what we're trying to achieve and what we're focusing on absolutely sounds so simple but you know yeah it is and it's un, it, you know obviously it's the beauty of a complex system because often the challenges are buried so deep people can't see them mm-hmm. you know so it's really unearthing where's that starting point in that ball so that we can get to the end and start pulling the threads of what's going to really make the biggest impact now and then next and then later you know so yeah. and 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 really getting clear on we can't solve for everything simultaneously what's the best place to start and then how do we build those regular feedback loops with the people close to that work of what's working what are going to be our next best actions yeah so good um so also in the in the introduction chapter i i have three quotes quotes that i hear you say i've heard you say over the years quite often and i embed those in the the introduction chapter. So I'd like you to talk about each one. So I'll start with getting better at getting better. So talk about what you mean when you say getting better at getting better. Yeah. And when you think about often when people think about um, improvement, their their minds automatically go to state compliance. You know, so when we think about getting better, it's getting better at the things that are important and getting better, not perfect. You know, so it's not about being perfect, it's about better every day. And what are those small actions that can get us a bit better? You know, so that if, and it really goes back to that flywheel notion is if we can get that momentum started, momentum builds momentum. You know, so thinking about, you know, better, not perfect. You know, what are the goals most important for that child, that classroom, that department, that school, that community? Um, build that focus on building capacity and commitment, not just compliance. Mm-hmm. And then really listening for the barriers and solving the problems close to the people, you know, that are doing that work. You know, so better every day is really building that that momentum of better not perfect yeah it's so good and you know i think in terms of i always do it back to my coaching examples and we're never good enough right and we're always trying to improve and the day that on an athletic team the day that we think that we're the best and we've arrived is the day that we'll lose the game (laughs) right yeah and that's that's the um you know just always with that having that mindset and so connected to that um principle two really doubles down and focuses on measuring the important thing but you i hear you say you know measures that matter and really key there so talk a little bit about what you mean by measures that matter i think the trickiest part with measures is people automatically think about measures as numbers and it's really how do you determine the impact based on what you're saying is most important to improve what questions are we trying to answer? And then what measures and what evidence Mm -hmm. will help us answer those questions? You know, so as we think about, you know, we know early literacy is important. We know 
and math and, and on track to graduation, we know those indicators are important. People will automatically go to that mindset of the big, heavy state testing. The problem is, is that's way too slow in order to know whether or not you're making progress. You know, so the, the parts that I've, I've appreciated is the Gates Foundation said, in absence of anything else, think of, are you getting close to a B or better? Yeah, and if if you've got a rubric with five, are the kids getting four out of five right? And if they are, you know, what is it that's helping them get there? If they aren't, what's helping them grow toward getting there? Mm -hmm. So we know as an industry standard, you know, that ninety six percent attendance, if you were attending college or if you were in the workforce. 90% 90% actually isn't career ready. You can't miss 10 days a year of work and feel like, you know, that's going to be career ready. So the industry standard would say 96% are better of your attendance and or growth toward that. You know, so and you know, are you are you on track? Are you confident? You know, there's a beautiful example of a teacher that's working with kids preparing them for um, some of their upper level coursework and really rather than building the assumption that he knew where the kids were going to get stuck, he really asked, Are, where do you feel confident on these concepts on a scale of one to five? How confident are you? And they really worked at building their confidence level. And by doing that, they did better on the end assessments. And yes. so it's the little measures that are going to matter. As you're, as you're taking a look at, are we making progress today, this week, this month toward those bigger assessments? Yeah. And, you know, I think it, that just connects back to Hattie's research to what you just said, Pat, you know, with, um, you know, we kind of, all of us and kid, young people, I mean, they kind of know where they are. You know, I love what he says, as you're talking, it just reminds me, it kinda, he says, you know, I mean, it, we assess in many ways, give tests because we need to know where they are. You know, kids kind of know like where they are. Like if you yep. ask them, they could probably tell you, yep. right? And yep. so they they will tell you where they are. Um, but it's our job to really push them beyond where they are and to help them grow and challenge them in a way that advances that, which is those engaging feedback loop and conversations that you're talking yep. about and really helping them understand the measure that matters and the goal they're trying to achieve that that. Uh, make sense there. So if we take that, we we can understand that from a student perspective, but it also applies to adults as well, right? We have yeah. to we have to be focusing on the same thing. Leaders with employees, for example. Right. Right. And if you ask new staff members, where do you feel secure? Where are you less confident? They're going to give you that feedback of this is where I need help. Yes. You know, so it's really opening the door to have those conversations and then aligning aligning the supports along that way. Yeah, so good. So let's, um, as we, the, the, the uh, you say more than this, but these are the three things I hear you say um, so often. So let's end with, um, I've, I know one of your favorites, which is recognize the bright spots along the way. Um, so as we end today, can you, um, can you tell us what you mean when you say recognize the bright spots? Yeah, and it's, it's one of the things that every team has people achieving the targeted goals that we're trying to accomplish at a broader scale. You know, so we've got classroom teachers who have kids 
pacing on track, who have high attendance rates within their classrooms, who know the strategies that are making a difference for the students, but they're, we're doing it in isolation and we're not managing up what can we learn from under the same conditions, same de demographics of the children, what can we learn from where it is working so that we can scale that level of support to where, you know, um, where it isn't working. We too, too often jump to, we need new materials, we need new resources, we need outside development. The reality of it is, is we, we really need to manage understanding where, when we have packets are working, really understanding the why, and how do we scale that level of support to the other teams? So that's really the bright spot notion. Yeah, and, and get out of always looking at what we do wrong, right? Because right. there's so many things we do right each and yep. every day. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so just appreciate uh, appreciate the work that you're doing with our partners and the contributions that you've made um, to the profession and that are highlighted in multiple ways in the book. Um, Pat, so just appreciative of, of you and what you do and the impact you make. Thank you very much. No, it's a pleasure to be part of this team and part of the work because this is among the best work I've seen in my career and building the supports for individual leaders and collective teams that's difference making. You know, so that is part of the reason why I love being part of the team. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. It was great to have Pat on our show today. As you know, in the introductory chapter, I highlighted some of the quotes that I've heard Pat say, and uh, there are many stories that are connected in hardwiring excellence in education that are influenced by the work that Pat and her team and, and other coaches on our team have done with our partner leaders across the country. I'm just so honored to be able to tell those stories around the Nine Principles Framework. So before we go, I wanna make sure you know about our event coming up. Uh, What's Right in Education, it's our annual leadership conference. In October of, of this year, you'll hear about key strategies to shift culture, improve processes, and exceed results. These two days will highlight specific tactics from the nine principles framework that actively drive results in highly effective organizations. Some of the same stories that you hear in the book will be uh, talked about at the conference by our executive leaders and leaders throughout our partner organizations. So we're excited to host What's Right in Education. And if you'd like more information on that, please connect with us at studereducation.com slash events. We hope you'll join us this October. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles framework so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week, everyone.